Welcome, everybody, to episode 173 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Uh, we got a special treat tonight. Uh, this will be, I think, the first time we've had husband and wife on before. <laughs> I don't know that we've had brothers on. Now, there's another reason why we have these two gentlemen on tonight, as you guys will see in a little bit. But we have our buddies, uh, my buddy Zach from Red Bar Cincy, a different Zach, uh, not Zach from Cincy Strapco, just Zach from Red Bar Cincy. No, no offense, Zach. Uh, I mean, you know. It's okay. That's yeah, fine. Uh, you've been on the show before, though. This is your second time. Yes. Yeah. So you you all may recognize his voice from the uh, from the um, collector conversation that we did with the broader Red Bar group at the SPCA in Cincinnati. Right. But we also have his new to the Cincy area, or I guess returning to the Cincy area, his brother Mitch, uh, who you may know from uh, from his Instagram accounts either at Omega Man Zero or Menswear Musings. So, uh, Mitch, welcome to the show. This is your first time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This is exciting for me. I love uh, being on podcasts. <laughs> Are you a frequent podcast guest? <laughs> no, and that's why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's been on more podcasts than me, though. I mean, that's oh, fair. Maybe. I don't know. Two, maybe. I don't know. This is my third one. So. That's fair. Well, you, I, if, if I'm remembering, there was a Warren and Wound article. Was uh, there a yes. podcast with that as well? No, there wasn't. Um, oh, that's disappointing. No, they didn't. I wrote I wrote an article for them, and they did a feature that mm-hmm. you know was kind of an advertorial that they did, but no podcast. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I was gypped. I mean, I feel like I feel like everything that you guys talked about though would have been made for a good episode. Uh, yeah, I think. So. I mean, yeah, but do they have a podcast? They I mean, do. No. They do. Okay. They're out frequently, no. so I, you know, they, I, you, their, their oversight is 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 benefiting the Whiskey and Watches podcast. You know, something. Yeah, man. It's, I'm it's here. So in the ampersand. I have so I have so many watch related thoughts. That I just can't wait to unleash upon the world. I'm looking forward to it. And the other thing I'm looking forward to is talking a little bit about your experience in Italy earlier this year, um, which we've talked about that a little bit with watches and styling. Me and Buzz. Buzz is very sartorial, so you know he has his own look. Um, Maybe not quite the same vibe as what we'll talk about, but Buzz has his own style, cool. and he adheres to it pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much. I mean, Zach, you know what I'm talking about. I feel like he uh, is like New England gentleman. I feel like pretty I much, would, I'd go fall foliage watching with him in the <laughs> you're, you're very barn much, coats and yep, you are very much accurate. There's boat shoes. There's a lot of boat yeah. shoes, um, and uh, yeah, he's yep, he's a big fan of those. Uh, what's the cap that he wears? The it's not the newsboy cap, but it's the other one. I'm blanking on the type. Yeah, that's uh, that's his vibe. So anyway, all right. Well, we always start out here with a wrist check and a drink check. But we always start each episode with a wrist check and a drink check, so I will let you guys do rock, paper, scissors for it, but I will let you both go first. You know what, Zach? You go first. Okay. I don't feel like doing rock, paper, scissors. All right, so wrist check. I'm wearing my Seiko SLA-043, which is a 62 Moss uh, case. It's the 55th anniversary. They released it, I don't know, a couple years ago. Um, I've always loved the... 62 Moss case and all the SPBs and I just I feel like this was the best colorway. Uh, it's got the light blue uh, second hand. I have it on a um, FCAM rubber strap I got from uh, Cincy Strapco actually. I figured out you could take the um, 
the very nice quick release bars out and squeeze a 20 millimeter strap into 19 millimeter lugs. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I hate about this watch are 19 millimeter lugs. Uh, means that it's hard to use. Uh, that strap is really cool. It's the scuba style strap, I think they call it. Uh, yeah, it's so got it's like got, oh, vented the vents. Sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The vents. It's sweet. So I put that on the watch that I'm wearing, which I'll get to in a second. Um, the other day, and I'm gonna buy one of my own because yeah. it's it's just yeah. like the perfect color and it just looks really cool. And then uh, in the glass, my Glen Cairn glass. I'm drinking some uh, whiskey. It's Japanese whiskey uh, from Nika. They have a lot of products, and one of my favorites is they have a product called Nika from the Barrel. Ooh. And so it's, um, it, I think it's a blend, and it's just really easy to drink. One of my favorites. I, I don't know if it's really seasonally or if just Ohio distribution is weird because I can't always find it. So when I do, I buy a couple of bottles because it's not um, regularly out there. It's always very easy to blame the state for distribution. That's what I'd like to do. <laughs> it's terrible. Curse you, Ohio. Exactly. They sometimes they have good, good deals on stuff. Sometimes. If you can find it. If you can find it, if they're <laughs> importing it's the it. Big, yeah. the big operator there. Yeah. What about you, Mitch? I, I, uh, so for yeah. me, um, yeah, so I'm wearing my Omega Planet Ocean. I just got this uh, a couple of months ago. It is the original 42 millimeter, 2500 caliber Planet Ocean, 2500C for those keeping score. It's 42 millimeters. It's the reference 2201.50, which is the one that came on the bracelet. Um, however, I put it on a Forstner flat link, which I had already owned that I wore with a different watch. But I discovered that the end links for the pre-2018 Seamaster Professional 300 meter work on this watch. Uh, and so, the, I mean, I like that specifically because this watch, I bought it because it's um, it so strongly evokes the 165.024 Omega Seamaster 300, which is, I think, Omega's most iconic diver that they need to re-release. And this original Planet Ocean takes like a ton of design cues from that with the Open 9, the Open 6. Um, but it, you know, remixes it with the broad arrow, double broad arrows and stuff like that. So anyway, the flat link leans into that and I just love this watch is fantastic I just I've been wearing it every day for a while uh, and then I'm drinking a rum from Trinidad which I don't I didn't look at the bottle before I put it in the glass but we I have a co-worker who's here from Trinidad uh, at, in my day job and we had her over for dinner a few nights ago and um, got my brother Zach you had some Trinidad rum but I don't I didn't look at it, so I'm sorry. I don't have more detail than that. Do you remember what it's called? <laughs> I, I don't. I think it's Young and Wolf. I don't remember the brand. Um, I like sipping on brown liquids, and <laughs> uh, I, I have a one of my good friends is he, he, rum is his thing, and so you know I will buy scotch and bourbon. You know he he likes scotch. He likes bourbon a little bit, but rum is his thing. So you know if I have too many bottles of scotch, he has too many bottles of rum, and so he's always oh try this one try that one and um this is good i like this i, yeah, put, this a, is, I put an ice cube in it and it's fantastic yeah just great sipping so there's really good sipping rum out there it's not just you know bacardi swill oh, yeah. oh totally yeah. <laughs> i feel like i feel like most spirits there's 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 a version of it something that's done that's that's done well enough that you can sip mm-hmm. yeah oh so, yeah i mean it just it really just depends on on what it is um you can find good anything out there yeah, top yeah. shelf of anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
it's funny, Zach, you, you had on your SLA and you brought that at the SPCA uh, meetup, which that was, I think, oh, the yeah. first time I'd seen that version of that watch. And okay. they are quite fantastic in person. It's funny because I have the SPB 149 and I feel like it gets probably 80% of the way there as the SLAs do for, you know, a third, if not less the cost. But yeah, the if they made those on a bracelet, like if they supplied a bracelet with them, I think that would that would clinch it for me and I'd probably be making one of those happen. Because those higher-end Seikos, I have the SRQ029, which is a higher-end Seiko chronograph, and they just, they, they finish those things so amazingly that you just don't, it just needs a bracelet. Again, it just needs like, Seiko, come on, man. Yeah. Is there I, not like a sweet, like, like Uncle Seiko or something that would work on that. It's just Doesn't not that the something same. That fits? No, I understand. <laughs> I, I'm, like, I'm wearing a Forstner bracelet on my. I, I yeah, one. I've looked and somebody. It might be Uncle Seiko. There's somebody that makes a bracelet that might work, but just the end links aren't. Yeah. Great, and okay. then the other thing that has del- not kept me from buying it, but the case it uses their. Uh, is it their ever brilliant steel? Yeah, that's the other so thing. So it's so because there's another. I don't know. I found a forum post, and there's a different version of an SLA that did come with a bracelet, but it's not ever brilliant steel. Mm-hmm. And I, the photos, you can tell it's just different. Like oh, if I could source one, it was expensive, and the steel is different, so gotcha. it just looked off enough. So. I mean, in fairness, we're replacing our dishwasher and we're going with an LG because all of the other appliances except that dishwasher are an LG right. and we need the stainless steel to match. So I you need it's, the, it's the same concept. <laughs> like It's top of mind I know. because I ordered that problems. this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are you wearing? So I am wearing, I think, I think you have this same watch, Mitch. I think you do. Possibly. And I think you wear that Forstner on it. Um, and I will say shame on you for that <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, I have thoughts about that. I, I do too. <laughs> so I have on my uh, 3861 caliber uh, moon watch. And oh, I have the, and is it Sapphire? It is not. I had to go because I'm a space nerd. I have the so it, my Zoom background for for work in my office. We've we've got a bunch of nice shelves behind me, and one of those is the Lego Saturn V rocket. So Sweet. it has to be flight qualified. Not that I'm ever going gotcha. to space, but. Uh, it actually has a nice. I actually have my first scuff in the poly. I don't know. That you guys probably can't see it, but I've got this yeah, nice little like check mark at uh, just not quite eleven o'clock. So um, that'll buff right out at some point. But yes, it is the Hesselite version on the fully brushed bracelet that has a fantastic amount of taper. And I, I this, I love the way a Speedy looks on a strap. But I like the way it looks. And yes, it wears great on a strap, but after about mm-hmm. 43 minutes, I'm like, okay, I got to put it back on the bracelet. Yeah, I gotcha. Just that can't. bracelet is perfect, and I can't stand that you don't wear it on yeah, the yeah. bracelet. <laughs> so, my, so we let's can talk, talk about, about it. Let's dive right in. Let's let's, let's okay, opinions. No, no, no. So that's the most comfortable bracelet ever. Super, super comfortable. My, I have the Sapphire version, yeah. um, which just has the polished intermediary links, which I, I prefer that slightly. I, yeah, no, I, I like the look of that better. And that's kind of but, more like what the older version was with the older Speedy bracelet that had polish as well. Yeah, no, it's it's a yeah. great look. It's an absolutely great look. I, I don't have any hate towards the Sapphire. I just, I wanted the Pestleite. No, yeah. I, that totally makes sense. <laughs> um, I, and part of the reason I bought it was because a friend of mine, well, I wanted the Sapphire one. Um, but I was almost going to talk myself into getting the Hesselite one just to save the money. You know, it's just like a thousand dollars less. 
But a friend of mine in Nashville was had the Sapphire One, was going to sell it, and the price that he gave me was just a ridiculous price. Uh, and so when it came time, he was going to sell it. I was like, okay, I just got to do it. So that's how I ended up with that. But I have this thing about end links. I have a lot of thoughts about Omega because Omega is my favorite watch brand. And um, one of the things that really bugs me about basically every watch that they've come out with in the last like six years is that it has what's called, I guess you could either call them female or pivoted end links. Mm-hmm. And the speed speedy is the same way. Yes. And what I don't like about it and that particular bracelet about it, it creates like a shelf that just sits there and then it just falls. It's just got a right angle fall at the end of the case. So if you hold it up, yeah, um, it's just like the case. It's just between the lugs. It's just a straight across line. If you look at it from the front. Yeah. So look at it from the front like this and it just creates a straight across line. Now this, my Forstner does it too on this planet ocean. Yeah. And I just, I just don't, I don't love how that looks, especially even on my wrist from certain angles, it bothers me. Um, See, I don't have that problem because I have a. I probably have just a slightly larger wrist than you do, so maybe. it doesn't. I, they like like I don't get the box. They flare like, out. It, it flares out just. They flares out. And the interesting yeah, thing yeah. is, is the old ones that had the male end links, which is similar mm-hmm. to what I have on the watch that Zach and I have that is similar, which is the white Seamaster 300M, the SMP. Yeah. Now that one. It, the end links are small enough that it still comes straight down. But on the old Speedy, it added like a solid probably two millimeters on either side of that watch. Where if you had a smaller wrist, they'd stick out and then come down. Right. And you end up with that. Like, so you can see here, there's there's ver- barely any gap. Yeah. On the other, like on that floating. one, you have, you know what I'm talking about? Like that gap where it, like it sticks out totally. and comes down. Yeah. So yes. it all has to do with visual aesthetics and comfort. And I, I get where you're going. But like if... And people who have even, even – so I have a seven-inch wrist pretty much exactly. Yeah. If you had a seven to a seven and a quarter, you have no idea what, what Mitch is talking about because totally. your wrist is big enough that it just kind of flares out and it hugs it. And here's here's my problem. I wear it loose. That, so even yeah. though I could wear it, even yeah. I just prefer the way that watches wear loose. Yeah. And so it's always flapping about and people yeah. always tell me like, your watch is too loose. And I'm like, this is just how I like it. And that's the problem because it'll it'll kind of bang against one side. Anyway, it's just one of those like super in-depth nerd things. So I went for the flat link. And so I love the flat link. The Forstner is super great. Um, I have a polished and brushed one. Mm-hmm. I love the vintage look of that. And I love it so much that actually my plan is to uh, – I've done a lot of forum post reading. My plan is to buy the, the flat link that Omega makes for the Speedmaster 57. Okay. Because that – so you can buy that bracelet from Omega. They'll source it from you. And the Omega Boutique in Nashville, I have like a good relationship with, so I don't just order it from them. And they, um, uh, the, it'll fit as is, but a lot of people have discovered that the um, Forstner end links have the same exact dimensions for the middle link. So you can just use the Forstner end links, which have a perfect profile yep. for, the, um, for the lugs. And then the, the flat link is the Omega quality with the, that's that's what I'm eventually going to do, but you know it's like seven hundred fifty bucks. Oh yeah, no. bracelets so. bracelets are way easier to source on the watch, and unfortunately, you prefer the one that doesn't come on the watch from Omega. Yeah, so I know. Yeah, that's I know, I know. Yeah, my brother gave me crap about that because <laughs> it's like the feature that every every watch nerd talks about, and like that, I'm not I'm like yeah, it's fine, whatever. Actually, <laughs> I have these other things about the watch that I have opinions about. Oh, that's funny because it is. I mean, I will say, like it. I don't know how they would do a better version of 
the bracelet for the SMP because I don't think you can make that taper given the layout and the look. But I got to tell you, like, I've always loved the Seamaster 300, like the old one that came out originally we had it with Spectre and all that. And I will say even the 50th anniversary or 60th anniversary edition that was in the trilogy that is a fantastic watch, 39 millimeter, just kind of perfect re-edition of that. Yeah. The bracelet is just, it doesn't really taper and the clasps are so big. And I don't mind yeah, it. Yeah on the new bond watch because it fits the aesthetic, but on something mm-hmm. that's vintage or vintage looking. And, and I don't want to say that like the new speedies are vintage looking, but they are in like the, the design largely hasn't changed. There's a difference between the step dial and on step dial where the dot is on the tachometer, but like it, it, it's a watch that's design really hasn't changed in a very long time. Yeah. Um, so even though it isn't vintage, it is classic. So like the fact that they've, they've nailed the bracelet again with the taper and the narrower clasp and all that, I'm like, man, this thing just is perfect. I do like the way it looks on the Forstner champion bracelet, like the old JB champions that the astronauts oh, wore yeah, yeah. because the Omega like bracelets the... were too, uh, too good. Oh, funny. So it's so, like that. Where the... I have to look that up. I don't know what the champion ones looks like. So it's, it's kind of like the mesh looking one that like clips into like the little holes. Yes. Okay. That's what um, I was yeah. thinking. But it's, I it to... looks really awesome on the speed. It's like, Oh, I should get one of those. And it's like, yeah, but it's going to be like a strap. I'm going to put the Speedy on it and be like, oh, no, I want the yep. other bracelet back, so I don't want to spend the 150 bucks on it. Um, totally. But the story behind that is the reason those guys were wearing those was because the original, you know, at the time, the original Omega bracelet, or Omega bracelet at that point, um, we uh, it, it was too strong. So if it got caught on something, it wouldn't rip off. And in normal day, like in normal life, for most people, that's really not a problem. Uh, yeah. If you're trying to get into the escape hatch of the abort like area in a spacecraft, it's kind of important that your wrist doesn't get stuck on something, and that if you pull hard yeah. enough, the watch just comes off. Um, so that was the thing. the The original Omega That's bracelets hilarious. at the time, you know, you know, obviously they're vintage at this point, so they're brittle and everything like that. But like at the time in the '60s, they were too strong, so they put them all on the the JB Champion, the mesh, so that they could just break the spring bar if they needed to. That's fantastic. Awesome <laughs> trivia. I love yep. that history. Yep. Yep. I think it was I, something... I, I, in some training, I think it was Neil Armstrong who did something and, like, almost got stuck. And that was what, how they changed it, so... Um, I'm a fan of the Speedmaster and everything about that watch. Um, but I was just diving... Making my brother go down the rabbit hole on... Uh, the other thing that I'm annoyed by with more recent Omegas is they keep making their lugs... It's like the one thing that they're listening to the fan community on is lug to lug length, lug to lug length, and they just keep making them stubbier and stubbier and stubbier. So you have this like planet ocean that just it's just squat. It's just too squat. And the and the Omega, I actually prefer the old case shape because the lugs are longer on that Speedmaster from the eighteen sixty three eighteen sixty one model. I prefer longer lugs, but I wanted the new movement and the anti magnetism, the Meta certification, mm-hmm. and hacking seconds, and the, I liked the step dial. I prefer that. I think the case profile is probably pr- better. I haven't tried the old one on, but just the lugs when you look at them, I think it, the old one looks better. Um, so those are like the super in deep nerd things that I'm like paying attention to. That's, I mean, that's, but it's funny because it, going to kind of the other thing that we'll talk about later, it's it's an aesthetic, it's the way it looks, and that to me makes a ton of sense. But I do find it funny. You guys have been joking a little bit about, oh, my brother gives me crap for this, my brother gives me crap for that. Let's talk a little bit about that first because I, I, I know Zach, you were the older brother, correct? Yeah, three okay. years older. Three, three. Okay. 
I'm two and change older than my younger brother. And I, I know that does your your dad your dad is into watches as well, correct? Okay. Yeah, our dad uh, has always wore watches. Um, I think of him, you know, classically wearing like a Seiko turtle that he bought in like 1980, maybe. Um, I asked him about it once. He said when he was in college, he guy he saw a guy wearing uh, actually a Submariner, and he thought, "Wow, that's cool! It's like a bulky sports watch." Um, and in the seventies, and then he like looked into it, and they were just kind of, you know, still too high priced then. Yeah. And so when he found a deal on the Seiko, it's like, well, this is like ninety percent as good, and yeah. like I won't feel bad scratching it up. Um, so yeah, so earliest memories with my dad wearing watches were with Seikos, and he's got other stuff. Um, so that I don't know, probably imprinted on me maybe more than Mitch. Um, so I have always liked watches worn watches i have a i tried at one point i sat down and tried to remember every watch i ever got like as a kid uh and it was more than one and so like growing up i always liked it um more than my brother at one point like i gave mitch a like a cheap kind of swiss army watch for his birthday and i could like I don't think he wore it. Maybe you wore it. I don't no, no, know. No. So do you want to know the story behind that? Okay, tell me. Because I, I do have a whole story for that. You, so, you tell me your version of as it. As you know, <laughs> ch- ch- as you may know, children go through an identifying period of an adolescence where they de- develop their own identity. And they do so not in isolation. I'd always want to watch uh, when I was eight. We were overseas, and I picked out a Casio watch that, told, that could change TV channels. Um, when I was 13, my dad bought me a watch and I picked out a Seiko diver that had a yellow face. It was a chronograph, 200 meter, it had a yellow dial with um, blue sub dials. And then at a certain point around that time, 14, 15, Zach, you were super into watches. My dad was super into watches. You guys were also both into knives. It's not that I didn't like those things, but I was just like figuring out my, you know, you just go through adolescence and you just, uh, you know, you figure out your own identity. And I was just trying to I create my identity separate from you guys. Not because I didn't love you, but just, you know, that's what you do as a sibling sometimes. What you like in common, what you don't like, and whatever. And so for my birthday, my snotty little attitude, I was like, I bet you guys bought me a, a knife or a watch. That's right. That was- <laughs> it was a box that had a, both a knife Guess what Swiss and- Army makes. They make both of those knife. things. <laughs> And a watch in one box, and I and I I do remember feeling slightly bad about having such a crappy attitude about it. And um, anyway, so I, but that said, I always did wear a watch, and that's, I did appreciate true. the watches that I had, and that you know that Seiko I still wear to this day, uh, thirty years later or twenty years later. Um, I don't know where that Casio watch is, probably my dad's desk drawer. So that's that's it. So it it took me a lot longer to get back into watches a little bit more, and it was more for aesthetic reasons, like you mentioned. Um, and then the pandemic and there's a whole story there, but yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I never, yeah, own. I guess uh, as a, you know, self-absorbed, I would have been a teen as well. Like it never occurred to me that like, Oh, he's trying to differentiate himself. And no, obviously you don't have those thoughts until you're an adult of children of your own and right. you realize, Oh, I see. Or dad, I think, I don't know. Right. It's yeah. just one of those things I put together with my brain right. in my brain after thinking about it, you know? Well, and that I, I, I do feel like that was a good lesson for me because it's true that, uh, it very much helps me learn the lesson of, 
when you're buying a gift, you should buy something that you know the person likes, not what you want, you know? Right, it's like the Homer's Homer's bowling ball. ball yeah, the Simpsons, yeah. Homer bought his wife Marge a bowling ball for her birthday. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, it is funny. I did project a little bit on my kids, but every morning they do ask me, Daddy, it's, and it's the, big, it's, the, it's the big question, Daddy, does this watch turn? And if the watch doesn't turn, then it's, does it have buttons, meaning is it a chronograph? Yeah, yeah. And my favorite is when I'm wearing a watch that doesn't do either of those things, they ask me, why? <laughs> well, why doesn't it? Because <laughs> those are the two cool things that watches can do. Why do you have yeah. watches that don't do those things? Um, so I, I, we did get them, or I, as a gift idea for my mother-in-law, uh, we had her get them swatch flick flacks that have the rotating bezels. And oh, okay. oh my goodness, the three-year-old, he's going to be four in, a, in about a week. Um, oh, and my brother doesn't listen to this, but my grandpa does. Uh, happy birthday to my nephew, Jack, who turned four today. So there's... We have six little boys that will, by the time my oldest turns six in a week and a day, or a little bit longer than that, um, his birthday is on the 26th, my middle ones is on the 25th, so we, there's four little boys. Oh, wow. yeah. In, yeah. Four of the six little boys have birthdays in August, um, but it is Jack's birthday today, so happy birthday, Jack. Um, birthday, Jack. Yes, uh, we got them the ones that with the rotating bezels and... Man, my middle child's watch is like you can't see a single thing on that bezel anymore because he wore it all the time. It turned it all the time, and it is the bezel's all gunked up and it's all scratched. Yeah. And he loves that thing. So that's yeah. awesome. My kids, my Seamaster, I have a Seamaster 300 meter bond, um, and it's actually the bezel. I need to get it probably repaired because it's it, you know how hard those bezels yeah. are to turn because the the grip on them is kind of weak or you know hard to grab. That one turns so easy because my kid, my older son, will just mash his hand on it and just start <laughs> turning before, you know, putting him to bed or something like that. And then did that enough times. And now it's like, I'm like, well, I need to get this. Something's under there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is funny. Uh, there are certain watches that are easier for them to turn. I will absolutely, yeah. absolutely uh, say that. My tutor, uh, very thin bezel, very challenging to turn. Um, but anyway, so that, that is kind of funny. I, I guess... So, so Zach, were you? Is it fair to say that you were kind of into watches first, or you guys were both kind of into it? I guess who got bit by the collector bug first? Oh, that yeah, that's always been me. So I, um, I having had several watches as a kid, um, my um, parents surprised me with um, the. You know, classic '90s James Bond uh, Seamaster. Um, when you graduated high school. When I graduated, it was my 18th birthday. Graduating high school, and I had you know just told myself, "This is it. This is the watch." And reference could- 2531.80 for oh. those keeping score. <laughs> Before they started having their watches represent phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Now, <laughs> yeah, now I couldn't tell you. Yeah, it's so many numbers. What is the automatic one? The eleven twenty, yeah. not the. It's true. Quartz it, is, it is the automatic because the gold my watch was the quartz one twenty five forty one eighty. Yep. <laughs> We're gonna sorry. Continue so, your story. So he got bit first. Somebody got might have gotten bit a little harder though <laughs> on, the, on the on the nerdery a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I feel like I kind of slowly and continuously have just collected watches, bought watches at you know different price points. Um, with the ability to, you know, buy like slightly nicer watches, having, you know, get out of school and getting a job and stuff. Um, 
but it wasn't until 2020 when I uh, gave Mitch a watch as a gift that he kind of went off the deep end. <laughs> That's funny. I, I feel a little bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, like I said, I always wore a watch, and growing up, the, the Zach, your Bond Seamaster, and then Dad bought you that watch when you t- turned 18. The next year, he bought one for himself. Yeah. And I lived at home uh, through college, so I, you know, for several, I don't know, seven or eight years after that, he bought that, or I don't know, six years. He would let me wear any of his watches, and I would wear that watch often, borrow it all all the time, and sometimes wear it just all the like for weeks at a time, and then I'd give it back to him. Eventually, I moved away, and I'd, I'd borrow it for months at a time. And then in 2017 or something like that, he told me he started wearing a Fitbit or something. And he's like, you know, I'm just not wearing my watch as much as I used to. Go ahead and have the bracelet resized because it was it was basically one link too big, so it was super loose on me. But that bracelet, if you've ever worn ever worn that watch, is just one of the most comfortable bracelets ever. So I I, um, I had just I had moved to Nashville right around that time, and there's a boutique there, so I took it in. And at that time, it was sweet. They had an in store; they could do a um, a six point inspection where they test water resistance. They'll even regulate the watch for you, and they resized the bracelet for me. Um, and then in 2020, oh, but part of this watch collecting journey that's important is that, you know, I'm into menswear, I'm on Tumblr in, in the mid 2000 teens. And there is one watch that came across my Tumblr feed and I saved it. I was wearing just basically the one watch for me. I was basically fine. Just wearing my dad. You were a one watch guy, which is so much healthier. Yeah. And it wasn't even my watch. Yeah. Totally. And it wasn't my watch. (laughs) I had other watches that I had gotten over the years, same as you, like, you know, Swiss Army watches, that Seiko from when I was a teenager. Um, But not that many, you know, Swiss Army watches mostly. And then um, 2015, I I saved that watch, and I'll I'll tell you which one it is, uh, on my Tumblr. And then when I turned 30, you did buy me a watch. And and that's when I, I, I will say that was 2017 when I turned 30. I started to get a little bit more into it, and a big part of that was, um, like, Mad Men made an impression on me. Yeah. And so I was super into the idea of, like, a vintage uh, Omega Seamaster, because he wears one in one of the seasons, season six or something. It's black dial, but you got me a Seamaster DeVille from 1966 for my 30th birthday, which was super cool, and I was, like, so thrilled with that. The only problem with that watch was I tried wearing it as an everyday oh. and, like, instantly broke the crown. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it like caught on a blanket, and I, I didn't. Wasn't I even anything. The, it, it wasn't even a hard it. surface. It was a blanket. No, it was like <laughs> I have no idea. Actually, I don't know. I was just wearing it. My son had been. My son was born in 2018, so it was like a year and a half after I owned that watch. And I was like, I'm just going to wear this every day, like they would have in the 60s. And then I looked down at one point, and the crown was just out, and it had broken, and I couldn't fix. It. I had to get it fixed, so I had to I had a baby that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean it's vintage. You, you kind of. I mean, I don't own any vintage watches, and it, I, it just freaks me out. Of like one, the purchase pro- the purchase process, and two, like just maintenance and like oh, I want to wear this, but like oh, it might drizzle and then fog up. Like I just yeah, I know. <laughs> I, and that watch, I don't worry about too much. I, it, but it's a dressier watch, so you know, I just wear it when I'm wearing a suit, which I don't. I won't. Um, yeah, it's not that often that I wear that watch. So after that experience, of course. So um, anyway, but. If you want, I can tell the story of the watch that you got me because it is an interesting. In 2020, the watch that got me into the collection. Let me give you the backstory of the watch. Um, So in 2020, uh, for a while, I had really wanted to buy um, 
a Speedmaster. I wanted the Moonwatch, and I had thought to myself, oh, you know, I've got um, these other watches. You know, maybe I don't need that. Um, <laughs> I had only, yeah. Um, I had, because I'm a moron, um, <laughs> not purchased the uh, Speedy Tuesday Ultraman. Oh, yeah. I had it in my cart. My credit card was in. Like, the sale was going to go through, and then I hesitated because I, I just was being Because you're being responsible with your money. I was trying to be a responsible adult, and I thought, oh, let me think about this. Let's not... And it didn't occur to me, like, oh, this is going to sell out in minutes. And um, so then I had been, okay, well, if I can't get this, that, you know, I'm not ever going to get that Ultraman for what they sell for now. Maybe I'll just get what I always wanted, which was a classic Moonwatch. But then I thought, oh, no, I need to be responsible. So I bought the Bull of a Lunar Pilot. And as okay. a, um, you know, it's the other Moonwatch, mm-hmm. right? And it's got similar specs, and it looks great, and much more affordable and so i bought that and had it for about four days of wearing it and i thought this is great but i'm gonna buy a speedmaster <laughs> this is not a substitute the heart wants what it wants right it, help. <laughs> it made it worse yeah, it, yeah true yeah make it it, it made it way worse it i was like oh this is clearly amazing but i'm not going to be satisfied till i get the real thing um and it was within that first um that first week I was wear I was just wearing it and we were FaceTiming uh and like in the middle of the conversation he like stops and sees like, wait, put your arm back in the frame. <laughs> He's like, Did you buy a Speedmaster? And I was like, No, Mitch, I actually uh you know, got this, but um, you know, it's a gift for you because <laughs> you know, uh, I did he didn't need to know that I was buying it for me and I uh at the time, you know, wasn't gonna keep it. So that the yeah, I bought that watch, and then I actually probably within a month ended up buying um, the first Omega in space version of the Moon Watch, which I love. And um, so I gave the watch to Mitch. Yep. And he was. How'd that turn out for you? <laughs> well, so seven Omegas later. Um, <laughs> no, I yeah, the, so yeah, the, I just distinctly. Somehow I knew enough about Speedmasters to recognize that, and I can't remember why I knew about that. Um, I, for me, I think like I've been into menswear since 2008, and I kept thinking that was going to be a phase. Um, and then around 2014, I remember having a conversation with you and saying like, "I guess this isn't a phase. I want to try and turn this into something." That's when I kind of started blogging a little bit more seriously, or blogging. And then around 2017, I started blogging more seriously. But, like, I felt like by 2020, I had kind of, like, explored everything I wanted to explore in the menswear world. I had kind of mastered my style. I had kind of nailed, mostly locked, kind of dialed in what I like to wear. I'd learned a ton, and I had my blog going, and, I'm you know, I earned a little bit of side income from that. Um, I'd been to Pitti Womo for the first time that January, and then, of course, the pandemic came and, and shut down and everything. Um, so, I... I for a lot of people who are into clothing and menswear, like watches are a natural companion. Or for many people like me, it's sort of like the next step. Or, you know, there's there's several avenues you can go. A lot of people get really into shoes because shoes are similar to, uh, to watches in that they are a sort of a, a dying art, you could call it, or a, or, a, or a remnant of the lost past of history where you have these cord waners who are making these custom shoes 
and blah blah blah. Uh, same, you know, custom tailoring is the same thing. It's it's a it's an artisanal craft and craftspeople, and it's generational, and it's so people get into clothing, they sometimes get into shoes, and then watches are like a natural next progression. And it makes sense that it's an next progression because they're also a next progression in terms of price uh, as well. Um, even though a bespoke suit can cost a lot of money, um, you know, you can also get a good tailored co- clothing for way less than that. So, um, so I, I guess I was just at kind of that that precipice already enough to know what a Speedmaster looked like. And again, I can't tell you why I knew that, but I was I noticed it because he had set the phone down and was like cleaning his counter in the in the kitchen. I was like, wait, are you wearing a Speedmaster? Uh, and so he gave it to me, and that sent me down the rabbit hole of Speedmasters. And I was already an Omega fan because of the Bond connection, Bond Bond Seamaster connection uh, that I've been wearing as my only watch basically for so many years that my dad had given it or had let me wear, and he hadn't given it to me, but you know, for all intents and purposes, yeah. he had. Um, and so I was. I remember specifically reading a lot about the Speedmaster and watching a lot of YouTube videos comparing the Bull of a Lunar Pilot to the Speedmaster. There's a Hodinky deep dive article on the Speedmaster that talks about a lot of references. There was a video with Eric Wind. There was just like a lot of content that I was um, absorbing. And then that fall, um, I tracked down with that watch that I had saved in 2015 that came across my Tumblr feed. You'd think that my first watch would be a Speedmaster. But I think at heart I'm a Seamaster guy, honestly, because I love my Speedmaster. But that Bond Seamaster is the one that I'd worn for so many years. And the watch that that captured my um, imagination in 2015 that came across my Tumblr was an Aquaterra. Oh. And so I tracked that down. And that was the first watch that I bought in September of that year. I found one. Richter and Phillips had one, our local Cincinnati haunt. And... um, I tried, tried mightily to, to talk them down, <laughs> and they had just a hard limit, a yeah. lower price that I couldn't pay. And then I randomly came across one on the internet that from some AD, and maybe it was a return or something. I don't know. I, but it was basically new, and I got a, I got the five-year warranty with it. But um, the, it's the, the watch is it's, um, it's the second-generation Aquaterra Caliber 8500 after they had introduced the uh, master coaxial movement, which is not the same as their master chronometer certification, which is the METOS. Uh, Master coaxial was the kind of the in-between transitional where it was coaxial. It was anti-magnetic. It used a silicon hairspring, but it was, it was still just a chronometer Mm -hmm. that didn't have the additional zero to plus five. So it's um, in the color that it's a 41 and a half millimeter case so it's an asymmetrical case, meaning it has the crown guard on the right side that makes it asymmetrical. Vertical teak stripes. It's a black dial with an orange seconds hand and orange uh, numerals around the outside for 5, 10, 15, 20. Um, stuff oh. like that. And it comes on a comes on a leather, a tan leather strap. It's just absolutely gorgeous. I'm, the photo that I had seen of it just totally captured my attention. And in terms of like wearing with tailoring and stuff, like which is my main, like I love tailored clothing, it works perfectly with that. Um, and so that was the first watch that I bought, um, even though it was like the Speedmaster thing and the Moonwash that started me down the path. That's interesting. And so, do you think do you think this is a phase, or do we think that this is another? I mean, you're a little bit more mature at this point. I you go back to 2014. You said the menswear thing might have been a phase going from 2008 mm. to 2014. Do we think the watches are a phase, or do we think they're probably? I mean, you've got you've got a really bad influence sitting next to you, so I don't know that that really yeah totally <laughs> really helps. You know, Zach Zach has a, such a broad collection of so many like price points. 
um, that uh, it's kind of cool because I feel like, and he's like my dad, you know, like I'll borrow stuff and I'll wear his straps. And um, so in some ways that kind of scratches the itch. Like you want to know, the, you want to have like a new novelty. I could just raid his drawer. <laughs> I wore that SLA that, um, that Seiko a couple weeks ago before, or a few weeks ago before I got this Planet Ocean. And I was like, this is sweet. But like, I don't think I'd love it enough to buy it. But it's great to be able to borrow it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, is it a phase? I actually don't know. We'll see. This Planet Ocean sort of represents maybe the last watch that I feel like I'll buy for a while. Um, but that, I've said that before. <laughs> I mean, we all say that. <laughs> yeah. We all say that. And then a second watch box later, or, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, heck, I'm hosting a podcast. <laughs> I'm on episode 173. <laughs> what was your? Have you ever, have you had any of those moments where you're like, "This is it," and then you like two weeks later bought another one, or is that? It too doesn't. Many to count? I don't really ever try to kid myself on on this is it. Now I've gotten to the point where I gotcha. At times I think about consolidation and like, okay, I've got a lot of stuff across different price points. Like I, I have a couple. I have a G Shock. I have a, a Hodinkee Swatch limited edition that I actually kind of remember how much I like I wore it golfing the other day because I swing really hard and if I wear anything heavy I get pretty bad tendonitis uh, now if I if I wore a watch golfing and then didn't like if I only wore it one time I'm not going to get the injury but like for a while I was playing consistently in a citizen dive watch this is before I was really into watches and like for some reason I was like man I don't know what I did but like the, like I'm playing and my elbow just kills after every round and my one buddy's like, did you change your swing? Did you get a new club? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I started wearing a watch. He goes, take the watch off and see if that helps. And it did. Like, that was legitimately it. A a small, like, quartz citizen diver was enough to absolutely, like, kill my watch, like, my, my, my wrist. So, you know, I don't know that there's really anything that I have where I, I think it's going to be another this, that, or the other. But, like, it's, you know, it's just kind of one of those one of those things where, Eventually, I feel like if I'm going to get something different, I'll have to consolidate into it. So yeah, I mean, I just that's I'm not to the point where I, I really kid myself. Like I, I know I'm going to be wanting something else at some point. Yeah. So it's just a matter of yeah. what has to leave, or if anything has to leave. That's uh, good for you. That. The know thyself is what they say. You know what I mean? So, I guess. It, 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 but I will say this: a lot of times, I'm I'm less, and I guess part of it is 173 episodes in. You know having kind of a core collection, having watches I know I'm passing down to the boys at a certain point, I don't want to say, and this is a very good thing. When I first got into this and maybe we could talk about if this was the same experience. You said it was in 2008 when you started kind of getting into the, the menswear scene. When I first got into this man, every new watch that came out seemed cool and seemed like something I should have. And I can tell you right now, like it takes a lot to move the needle. Um, and, more and more to me it's kind of it's kind of happened at the lower price point so there are there are things that zodiac has come out with uh that that have been interesting a lot of what oris has done kind of in the mid their mid to upper price point like i can i can still distinctly remember um about not this not earlier this year but at the start of uh, the 2022 f1 season we had josh shanks who's the north american communications director for oris on just to talk about formula one 
And when my buddy Mike Pandolfo and Matt McDee from the Spirit of Time podcast logged off, he goes, hey, you're going to get an email tomorrow, but do you want to see what we're dropping? And I'm like, oh, of course. The answer to that is the answer to that is always absolutely yeah, I want to see something. Because totally. that's – if you can't – if you're – if you aren't the guy who's consistently getting things at retail or getting the hard to allocate pieces because you're such a big collector, at least at least I can lord it over to people that I know things at least three days ahead of you, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which which is cool. Um, yeah. So totally. he showed me the he showed me the um, the uh, PPX the the, the Pro Pilot the 39 millimeter that they came out mm-hmm. with, and I just like I was over. That's like that's 30. I like that is like I'm like as soon as you can. It's like I want to see a demo, and then I'm buying one as soon as you have one. Um, and I, awesome. to this day, like that's still one of my favorite watches. There, there have been some other cool ones too. And, and the nice thing about some of the like the Oris, there were some things that had to move to get there. But the um, the there's a Brew Chronograph. I don't know if you all are familiar with Brew watches out of New York. Um, John Ferrer just he continues to refine his design. And I've kind of been bitten by the gold bug a bit. So he did a gold with a black dial uh, metric chronograph. And as soon as I saw that come out, I was like, well, that's that's going to happen. Uh, it happened. And then I, I got to write a hands-on article about it for uh, for Fratello. So that... Uh, oh, that was fun. cool. Uh, that was that. That was nice. So, in some ways, it helped. It helped, you know, pay a little bit for itself. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, well, you know, you got to spend money to make money, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. That's exactly how it works. Um, so, so let's let's dive into a little bit. You know, we kind of joked about it being a phase. Let's kind of flip the script a little bit here and see, you know, kind of where maybe you've rubbed off on Zach a little bit. You, you mentioned getting into kind of tailored clothing and menswear in 2008. I, I take it that was, were you still in college at that point? Is that kind of where the interest peaked? Yes. Um, although I got to, I got to give Zach props. He was also into, into clothing to the point uh, at that point where he was buying like button up shirts and I made fun of him for that, uh, for dressing like an old man. <laughs> um, and that, so that was when I was in high school, I want to say. And, there we had kind of this ongoing joke. I don't know if you were actually wearing sweater vests, but that was the kind of thing I made fun of you for wearing. I can't remember if you actually owned one. I was not wearing sweater vests, <laughs> but that was the joke. I was like, Zach, you were born wearing a sweater vest, asking for a latte, you know. So the funny thing about that is, is at one point in college, there was an economics professor who I had, or he was a finance professor, and he said that at one point he goes, "I actually read your mid-year reviews," and he was a younger guy. He was probably. I say younger guy. He's as old as we are now. This was probably yeah. 15 years ago, 15, 17 years ago. But he was really nice and he was very thoughtful. And he said that at some point, somebody told him in his reviews to stop wearing sweater vests. So he did. <laughs> and so we all kind of like, we're like, no, like you should bring him back. And like mid semester, he started wearing them again. So I feel like our class was like, hey, man, if that's what you want to wear, wear your sweater vests. Yeah, man, you do you. That's great. <laughs> like you got to find your style and you got to lock it in. Exactly. Just, you know, don't let the haters get you down. Exactly. Yeah, 2008. Um, I don't know what got me started on it, but I guess, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like a, um, it's just like a, it's a combination of, you know, personal factors. I wanted to start dressing better. I can't say exactly why. And then the the route that I took where with I'm into tailored clothing specifically, I think it just boils down basically to like that's the example that I saw with my dad. My dad's worked in a, in a, for the same family-owned company for forty years, forty plus years, and it's always been a white-collared kind of desk job, professional in um, marketing and stuff like that. So he was wearing a uh, coat and tie. I would call coat and tie sort of like the tailored uniform, not necessarily suits every day, but yep. he he did wear a coat and tie almost every single day. He doesn't wear a tie anymore. And they've gone mostly casual. Um, but actually, he still wears 
Man, if he doesn't wear a jacket, he will wear a tie every day. Oh, he always wears a tie. He just doesn't wear a jacket. That's it. Because and he and he felt really, you know, like that was an important thing to do. So that was sort of the example that I that was set for me. And um, Mad Men, you you know, sort of at that time period, you got to remember what it was like. And Mad Men had come out and just totally reset and reinvigorated interest in tailored clothing and this. Uh, across and not and not just tailored clothing, but just classy mid-century classiness. You know that people kind of had this vision for. Um, they were doing collaborations with like Banana Republic, but also Brooks Brothers. Brooks Brothers being the obvious one because that was the actual tailored uniform of that t- time period. But they had a Banana Republic suit collaboration, which was like made it really accessible. Um, and then, and in 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 the in the world of clothing at that time. You you were starting to get the influence of the internet at a big in a big way, and so Tumblr as a platform was big, and so starting in like, so we had the Great Recession in there, which kind of like threw the whole fashion world into a tailspin for a couple of seasons maybe, but then it came roaring back as a lot of salespeople have told me at clothing stores, when times are good people don't care to dress up, but then when things are uncertain they start. That's when their best business is done because they want they want to look better and they want to you know present themselves better. Um, so menswear started coming to the fore again, and J. Crew was ascendant. Obama was wearing you know J. Crew. Obama's wife was wearing J. Crew. Um, the Ludlow suit came out. GQ was all about it, and you had this this whole movement called that we now call and at the time they called it hashtag menswear <clears throat> because Tumblr was at the forefront of that. It had the same functionality as Twitter, where you could reblog somebody, except it was called re. Uh, or it was reblogging instead of retweeting. It was reblogging, mm-hmm. and so you could easily get just like share all these images of aspirational, you know, whatever, and clothing and menswear and fashion at the time. And the look that was being promoted at that time was sort of a combination of all these things: the re, re- reintegration or the the reinvigoration of like tailored clothing. Um, you know, J. Crew kind of brought the prep aesthetic into it. You had the mid-century sort of vibe, but then because of um, like the the blogger named the Sartorialist Scott Schumann, who was doing street style photography and specifically doing street style photography and introducing the world to the Italian um, sort of look, and uh, you know, he was going to Pitti Uomo, which was uh, ha- happens in Florence every six months. Those images were hitting the internet, and um, you were people were learning about bespoke tailoring from you know all these tailors all around the world, and so that was you know that was kind of going into 2010, 2011, 2012. So 2008 was kind of like right at the very beginning of that, and I don't know if you were looking for internet information on the internet about tailored clothes, like you were going to run across all of that happening, and that's exactly what happened to me. So how did you make that jump? So I I, I go to like. I was into watches, into watches for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, I don't know why. And oddly, I think it was it was the two folks in Nashville, Cat and Cat. It was like, well, these are oh, two yeah. enthusiasts who were very into watches and decided they were going to have a, you know, start a podcast, and they've been way more successful at it than we have. But it's like, you know, if, if that's all it takes, we should look into this. And a couple of buddies and I decided mm-hmm. to, hey, let's 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 try our hand at this. So, how did you make the jump from being into it? to deciding to participate in the blogosphere about it, like to actually yeah. take time and put effort into it. Yes. Um, well, like I said, it was about 2014 that I had that conversation. So I, like most people in, who were into the clothing at that time in the, on the internet, started to Tumblr, menswear, actually before I started Tumblr. 
at my office at work, I had an internal office. It didn't have an exterior window, but I had a window that faced into the hallway, and I printed out a piece of paper that said Menswear Musings, taped it to the window facing out, and then would walk around and write in dry erase marker quotes that I ran across from tumblers that I followed. And I would print out photos that they were reblogging from, you know, at that time, P. Johnson from Australia was kind of big and was being reblogged a lot. Ethan Newton had a really influential blog. There was a guy called Graham Wong that had a big blog. Um, so I'd print those pictures out on the at the work at work and put them on my uh, my on my um, bulletin board. And so I had a Tumblr, and then I had that conversation with you, Zach, uh, yeah. in 2014 or so. We were living together, and I don't know if you remember this conversation, but I was like, I feel like this isn't a phase, but I didn't want it to just be a pit of money. I wanted to make it into a kind of a productive hobby rather than just something that I just spent money on. And that was it. I thought I should make this into a productive hobby. Um, and so sort of shortly after that, I didn't do anything like get a self-hosted website or anything. I kept with the Tumblr, but like, um, I don't know if you remember this, but like you were wanting to buy a, a certain sweater, a gray cashmere sweater. Yeah. So you ordered like four or five of them from different makers. Yeah, yeah. And I did like a photo shoot of them and I stacked them up and I made it kind of like a review with like where I compared the four different makers of this cashmere sweater. And that was kind of like the first blog post that I did that was sort of like actually. And then on Tumblr, they made it really easy to get. I mean, it was just like Twitter where you, you were just part of a community, use hashtags. Um, and that was in 2014 where the hashtag menswear movement was still in it was it had kind of peaked instagram had come out in 2012 people were kind of moving to instagram um, but it was still pretty active um in 2014 and so i was starting to get a following there and um that's when i started looking into getting into affiliate links which is how you make money a lot of, you know it's one of the easiest ways to make money on the internet where you know you post a link that's got tracking tracking mm-hmm. links urls that are customized that when people click on it it tracks, and then if they make a purchase under within a certain time frame, they um, give me a commission as the person that they um, followed that link to, as if I'm a salesperson. So that's, I mean, that's one of the main ways I make money now on my blog, and I started doing that. So, and then it was like 2017 where I actually put the time and money and energy into doing a self-hosted website, which is what I have now with WordPress. Very cool. And then when did you decide, like, I so see you mentioned early 2020 was the first trip over to Italy. Like at what point had you gotten, I, you know, I've, I've been to the website and I, I honestly, the funny thing about it is I think I followed or got, got introduced to both of you independently. So oh, it's, funny. at some point over the course of Instagram, maybe it was the worn and wound feature. I don't exactly remember what it was, but I came across menswear musings and was following you there. And then I got to know Zach from a red bar meetup. And then at some point he's like, Oh yeah, that's my brother. He's got the, the menswear blog that he does. And I was like, it's like, Oh, that's your brother. He's like, yeah. He's it was like, Oh, that's that really, again, kind of one of those weird things. That is weird. That, I didn't that, know that. That I didn't meet you two. Like I wasn't introduced to you by Zach or vice versa. It was the internet that brought the three of us together independently, which is weird. See, you know what? I have this thing about the internet. The internet has been so much ill in society. But I also try and always remember like how much it's really connected everyone in a very positive way. And, you know, you can use it for evil and a lot of people do, but like, man, there's so much good that comes of it. So many things you can discover that you would have never been exposed to if you hadn't, if oh, it didn't exist. Absolutely. And, but the funny thing about that is I think my favorite quote about the internet, uh, there's two, there, I have two favorite quotes. One is the internet does always win. The internet always wins. 
Yeah. Always wins. It's undefeated. It's undefeated. It's, un- it's undefeated. Uh, <laughs> the second thing, the second thing is, I can remember a quote distinctly, and it was, "Hey, do you remember at some point earlier, pre-internet, where we thought that lack of access to information is what caused ignorance?" Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> Turns out that's not, correct. Not, not the cause. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so, funny. Dude. <laughs> it's uh, it's undefeated. Browning information, exactly. Yeah, that's really true, <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, but it is kind. Of, it's kind of weird how that all really happens. Now, the funny thing about that is, I, I talked a little bit about this. I, since I moved to Cincinnati in 2014, there have been a lot of these really weird, random connections to either folks in my hometown in South Bend. Uh, South Bend, Mishawaka area, folks I used to work with up there that I have connections with down here that are fr- like, there are so many weird little things that I'm not surprised that I made that connection, but to you and Zach while living here, yeah. completely independent of each other. It just does That's not, cool. does not shock me in, in the slightest. That's um, funny. I, um, <laughs> having grown up in Indiana, I have friends who probably you maybe know, I mean, up in South Bend who went to, um, I think Bethel is a college up there. I had friends yep, my cousin Bethel. went there. My cousin went to Bethel. And yeah, two yeah, of them actually. actually on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I have a friend who still lives who actually has a podcast. Michael Yoder. Um, I don't know what his podcast is called, so I don't know if you know. If he, name, if it's a Yoder. He's well. There's a ton of them, and they're all in like the Goshen area because it's. You know, f- That's right. At some yeah. point, they were formerly Amish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's from my hometown, but anyway, so that's neither here nor there. Where are you guys from? Burn, Indiana. Okay. Burn, which is south of Fort Wayne, like 40 okay. miles. 40 miles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, very fr- I had some friends who went to IPFW and went to, yeah, I'd like just right. familiar with that area as well. Yeah. Like it just, it just, it's kind of funny that it's a, it's a small world. Yeah, small town. Amish, like Amish, Amish uh, community. Burn is definitely. Yeah. That whole US thirty US thirty corridor across yeah. um, Indiana and into Ohio. So like I can remember some mm-hmm. of my former clients who were along US thirty uh, in Worcester. Again, you kind of drive up. It's like, oh, I see the same yeah. things that I used to see near Warsaw. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. It's exactly. just they found US thirty and they just stayed along there east and they didn't move north and south, but they did go east and west. <laughs> That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. US thirty is US thirty is where it's the, at. It's, it's, it's the, the Amish, Amish byway. It's the Amish belt. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's great. It's okay; they're not listening. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. One, I, at my at my high school reunion, I saw some of my old Amish classmates, which was just awesome because I hadn't seen them since sixth grade. Um, and one of them added me on Facebook afterwards. So I I have no idea. And he's still Amish. He's not like renounced it or anything. So that's who interesting. Knows? That's really yeah, interesting. I don't know what the rules are. I haven't kept up with their rules. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's it's different, you know, for yeah. each community. So that's true. Yeah, that is very true. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah. So why don't we why don't we dig into a little bit? So it is funny that you mentioned that Zach Zach's sweater purchases was one of the first. I find again, you guys I, you guys are way more complimentary in terms of interests and things than my brother and I are. I think it. I think it's 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 quite endearing. Like that 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 all kind of. In some ways, you, I don't say you're riffing off of each other, but like there's there's like a mutual interest in certain things that has rubbed off, which I find very, very endearing. Um, let's talk a little bit about, though, uh, the trip that you took earlier this summer. Um, so you went to the summer pity, correct? That's right. Yeah. And is this, uh, this wasn't your first trip. So you were in January in 2020. 
Right. And and then recently here in 2023 in the summer version. Let's 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 go back to making the first trip in 2020. Let's go back. Let's go yeah. to the way back machine to you know. Yeah. Really, in some ways, last year because you know COVID happened yeah. and it's the before still, times. The before times. Let's talk about the experience yeah. there versus. I have a sneaking suspicion that the 2023 experience isn't other than it being summer versus winter. Probably not a ton different at this point. Yeah, um, 2020. So the reason I went then was it, it, it actually you go back one one edition prior to 2019. Um, so the way I got into men's clothing was in 2008. You know, you're just kind of googling things, and at that time, um, I got into it through a style a, a forum called Style Forum. And Style Forum is a on, robust online community, and at that time, it was. A, it was kind of at its peak, I would say. And, you know, all forums kind of have that journey where it kind of peaks and then, you know, it still exists after that. And it still exists and it's and it's still a helpful resource for a lot of people. But um, so at some point along the way, I started doing some sort of, they started a blog, a style forum journal, they called it. I did some freelance writing for them about clothes. And then in 2019, uh, June 2019, Pity, one of the other guys who I knew from the forum, Peter Zotolo, is he goes by Urban Composition on Instagram, went to Summer Pity and was doing some coverage for Style Forum and made a comment how he was, you know, they had asked him to do some coverage of it and he was just too busy to be able to do everything that they had asked. Um, they had asked him to do some street style photos and he, he said he was just too busy to do that. So I just... I, I just emailed the owner of the forum, um, of Style Forum, Folk is his name, and I said, hey, Folk, just want to put my name out there. If you need someone to go next time, <laughs> um, if Peter's too busy, I'd be happy to take street style photos for you. Because I've done, for my day job, I've done um, that, not street style photography, but close enough. I mean, you know, like long distance telephoto photography of candids in action of people doing things. So it's like, you know, and I've got the clothing thing. So I... I had the skills to do it. And to my surprise, he was like, all right, let's do it in January. Let's go. And so I went with a team um, representing Style Forum. Me, Peter was there again, Peter Zotolo. And then uh, a woman who did their, they had a podcast for a while, um, who was the editor that I used to work for, Folk, the owner. And then that was our kind of our team. And my job there was to just be street style, uh, basically the photographer. So I was taking street style photos and I uh, for their blog and posting those every night. And then anytime they just wanted to do stuff and take photos of it. I was taking photos of it. Um, and then the pandemic came and then I didn't go back until last summer of 2022 because that was the first one where like the travel restrictions were finally lifted enough that it was, wasn't too risky. Cause you, mm-hmm. they, they, I think they only did two virtually. They did the June, 2020 and the January, 2021 virtually. And then June, 2021, they brought back in person. Um, but it was at the time where like, if you came down with COVID, like you were screwed. I mean, you had to quarantine for so many days that you might be stuck in Italy way longer. And then coming home was the same thing. And so that one, um, so last summer, June, 2022 was the first one that I went back to. Um, but that time by myself, just as men's were musings. So, um, yeah, so I don't know what you want to know about it though, because it's kind of a wild experience and like, it's fun and super cool. I mean, it, I, I can, I don't want to say I liken it to some of the other events that I've done for the podcast, but like, I can remember being invited to my first watch press event where mm-hmm. I, you know, was, was a guest of a watch brand and it was completely surreal to be there with folks who I had 
you know, read, like who worked for the big blogs, for the big magazines and see like, you're getting to know them. And I'm like, well, why am I here? And I don't, yeah. I don't want to know if that's the same experience that you had, but I'm like, I'm kind of wondering, like you went there as you, like what was the experience like kind of as, you know, menswear musings going and, and, and running into some of the people you probably met when you were there covering for style forum? Like mm-hmm. how did, how did that work? And then what was the experience like kind of getting to do what you wanted to do? Um, the first time, so last summer, having gone by myself, um, I was extremely grateful to have gone as part of a team to show me the ropes just because, um, it kind of gave me a, a feel for the cadence of like, you know, how to, how to kind of structure your day. You know, this is a trade show. This is a working trade show. Um, although I think pity has transformed in the last 15 years from it was truly a working trade show into what it is now, which is. Yes, it's a trade show. There's booths. Yes, people are looking at collections. Retail buyers come from all over the world to see what the makers are making for the upcoming seasons and stuff. But there's also a lot of pageantry. There's a lot of parties. There's a lot of, you know, just sort of like hype, you know. Um, And there's a lot of people who just go there to stand around and try to be photographed. Um, And so I'm going and I'm not I don't have like appointments with anyone. I, I mean, there's some people I do try to contact in advance uh, to meet up and do stuff, and especially the more that I'm going on my own, I'm I'm doing more of that, making those appointments and trying to make it make time to see people. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really cool community because on the one hand, you're right, it's like oh these are the giants, and some people are kind of they do feel like like for instance Brunello Cuccinelli, like the person who lives who owns the company Brunello Cuccinelli, he's there, and he's <laughs> one of the one of the mainstays of the Pity Womo trade show. Um, they go there every, and they show every year, and it's it's kind of like the the one of the biggest uh, uh, presenters there. And I see him, and I take his photograph all the time. Um, I'm not being introduced to him. I don't know him. I don't quite feel enough to to be able to approach him. And there's other people like that, Leonardo Laduzzi, and you know Taylor's that you see, um, and even Scott Schumann, the original sort of street style photographer who made Pity kind of what it you know kind of blew it up into into the social media age at the time in 2000, the late 2000s. So like on the one hand, yes, there are still those people who it's like you said, surreal to be there, like with Cuccinelli. On the other hand, the community is extremely warm and welcoming and not in a, in a way that's surprising to most people when they show up. Um, and, And I feel like that owes to the fact that the style community, especially in the tailoring world, like, like that pity is really strong with is and, and this is true in general for the fashion world is very small and people don't realize that on the outside it seems like this big sort of glitzy thing and it is in some ways but like everyone knows everyone everyone's doesn't work for everyone else you know you learn like oh this guy you know worked for this label but before that he worked for this other label who you think of as competitors but it's it's a really small um community or it's, it's a small industry and then Pity Womo is like is super small because like I said it is still strongly tailoring centric as a trade show um, and so everyone's very welcoming and warm and so I go and so people like Matt Hranick you know mm-hmm. who wrote the watch, A Man in yep. His Watch and A Man in His Car and all that stuff he throws his party every every six months at the at Harry's Bar which is now closed but then there's another part uh, a place that he holds it now at a hotel um, garden and like it's an open invite. If you know that it's happening, you can show up. You can just show up. Yeah, That's and there's amazing. no, 
there's no guest list. And I've talked to him about this because I, I tell every single time I go to that, I make sure and I find him. I say, Matt, thank you so much for hosting this party because I've met people at this party that have, you know, been helpful to me as I'm trying to build this little menswear thing that I'm doing. Like people, I've made these connections at this party and if I weren't here, it wouldn't happen. But it's because of him throwing it that I'm meeting them. And it's not mm-hmm. that I couldn't have met them at other events, but most of those events do have an invite guest list. And, and he's like, and he's he's told me, and I, and I did an interview with him at this last one, and he we talked about this briefly. But he said, "That's what it's all about. I'm trying to. That's from. That's his, he's all about that. Anyone who has any reasonable reason to be here, you know, not just random people off the street. Um, you know, somebody's coming in and trying to harass or solicit people would be shown the door. But like anyone who's there to do to be there uh, for a legit reason is welcome, and that, and that's the reason, and that's kind of embodies." Not every organization kind of maybe has the funds. I don't know who funds his parties, but like, so they do have to have guest lists for some of these parties. But they're really easy to get on. You, if you get people are sharing those, you get an, you get a, a little um, invitation on Instagram DM, and it says RSVP at this email address. You send the email. I've never been turned away. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I've never gotten. I'm sorry, we're at capacity. It's just like, all right, we'll see you there. So it's it's, it's a really inclusive community. That that is in some ways very surprising. I mean, I don't I don't want to say it like people think that. Yeah, you, you would I think surprised yeah. too. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. But I mean, I, I you know it's funny because you kind of think of to your point, kind of you think of fashion and and, and the glitz and the glam with it. But at some point, I think you're right. Like the focus of that sh- of that trade show is I don't want to say it's so different, but it's like when I think of the looks that you see from that or things like that. Yes, there's style involved, but it's like, oh, like you could wear that to work. It's not like a I'm looking people, yeah. it's not like you're looking at Hulk Couture stuff that like the stuff that my wife is into. You're like, okay, yes. like not that she's into it's like yes, you're never going to actually wear that. Like it's cool, it's interesting, the designs are very interesting, the personalities Perfect. are significantly more interesting uh, than some yeah. of the designs. But it's like this is stuff you're like, oh, reasonably I could style something similar to that or go for a looks like that. And and it's funny because some of the names that I know you met with um, are names that I see down the street here in Marymount at Trevor. Trevor Furby totally. spoke. Yeah. yeah like yeah. Atelier Monroe, you know, I, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's funny because Sid Mashburn, Sid yeah. Mashburn, you know, I, like mm-hmm. also I, I was there over the weekend and I ended, I like, I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite pull the trigger cause I don't wear, had they had any of the Sid polos left, I would have snagged one, but they mm-hmm. didn't like, it was like, Those I, are super I, good. I don't wear enough long sleeve dress shirts to justify buying any more long sleeve dress shirts because yeah. I work remote. I'm in the office for at most four days and, um, we're more casual now. I'm still a person, and it's funny. In this, maybe we can talk about uh, the classic blue blazer or other blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we'll talk about this a little bit as well. But like at a time earlier in my career, when we moved down to Cincinnati, my wife works in human resources. She ended up working at Macy's, which if you work at Macy's corporate, you still get the discount. So I ended up with a ton of that was as my 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 work wardrobe was transitioning from suits to more casual, but business casual. And I was like, well, you know something I like, like I'd always worn a jacket. I like the idea of being able to wear a jacket, but not necessarily a full suit. Mm-hmm. And I'm very lucky, or at least had been for the longest time that I'm a 40 regular with very, very minimal tailoring. That's great. Like to the what point where like, uh, like, and you know what it usually is? It's not the jacket, it's the sleeves. So depending on, yeah. like if I find like Ralph, Ralph's my guy. And, mm-hmm. um, 
40 regular and now maybe a little bit more 42 just as I've gotten a little bit older. Yeah, um, understood. But so 42 regular, the sleeves have to come up maybe an inch to a half an inch. You know, oh, that's almost, it. Yeah. That's it. I'm like, it's it's tough to say. Like, when, like I have buddies who are like 6'3 and oddly shaped. Like, man, I'm getting a 44 long and doing this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And it's $100 later. The day I was like, it's like man, sleeves. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. I know. <laughs> I get really lucky. It's just sleeves. It's a dream. Um, so it, it's that's really nice. But like I, you kind of find something that you're like, okay, I, I like I have jackets and I have, I have slacks that I go with it. And it's like that's kind of that sort of thing speaks to me. But in traveling a little bit more because my home office is in Des Moines through the summer, I, like, I found like that blue blazer that I like. Mm-hmm. Now it's mainly a spring, summer, and fall jacket because it's lightweight and it's perfect for travel. So when like I wear my other ones in the winter, but like let's talk about a little bit more about that blue blazer and kind of like that classic look. Now mine doesn't have the gold buttons, which I think is very East Coast, very yacht clubby totally. type of. Yeah, um, and it's not double breasted; it's single breasted. But I will say, let's talk about the blue blazer because in some ways, when we were off air, Zach mentioned. A certain quantity of blue blazers that one of us on the show may have <laughs> and it may be like we have a friend who is a, a buddy who's a vintage rolex collector and he has like 20 different versions of the same watch <laughs> um, oh funny well that's a, yeah, yeah that's a great analogy it is mitch a really good analogy mitch makes fun funny. of me how many field watches do you need how many of this do you need and how I many right Diver, back at him how many oris diver 65s do you need zach <laughs> i know i literally said that we were like we just went on a watch, uh, you know, watch, watch. What would you call it? We we chopped a couple. We went of on a man date. We went out and looked at watches and tried yeah. stuff on. And and I was like, Zach, how many Aura Styrofoam sixty fives do you have? Because they had Aura at one of the stores that we went to. And that's funny. Uh, yeah. But if VJ's listening. You always need more. <laughs> always, <laughs> always. I'm. Um, but yeah, I'm still I just, waiting for the Pro Pilot uh, Cookie Monster. Oh the, yeah, uh, the Royal Blue Dial. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally. No, I mean, you mentioned the Blue Blazer, like you said, offline. We were talking about collecting um, and, you know, collecting watches. You have so many watches. And, yeah, I, I'll, I have four Seamasters, so I have nothing, no room to, to talk. It's not like they're all the same, but, you yeah, know, an Aquaterra, a Planet Ocean, a regular Seamaster, and a vintage Seamaster, a regular Seamaster being the Seamaster uh, 300 meter. But no, I have eight blue blazers, and <laughs> I'm proud of it, and I, I'm, I will be adding more in the future. <laughs> so and No shame. So, uh, Well, that's where I think you every, we can, yeah. anybody in any hobby can delude themselves into thinking you're, you're filling very specific requirements mm-hmm. that the normal person would never see any difference between them. Totally. And that for a lot of people, you can buy you know a lightweight three-season blazer and do most of your things with that. I have... I do do I I do have three navy blazers, but one has brass buttons, so I feel like they're you, you come up with your niches, you know. Yeah. I want to feel want to fit in with Buzz on the East Coast with yeah. the whole. <laughs> I need to get a boat, I guess, with with uh, yeah, brass buttons and buttons. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just it's I think the thing about so tying things together on this on this show like. The, the collecting part of it, the menswear part of it. For me, menswear has been a a game of refining my style and really just sort of like I was interested in tailored clothing and early on I was looking at all these different silhouettes and I've, I was, you know, saving the images of things that inspired me. And then 
as, as, as I was able to, and I didn't have a lot of money at that time, I was in college when I first started looking into it, you try, with trial and error, you kind of whittle it, whittle it, whittle it down. And to the point now where I'm like, I kind of, and I'm, I worked remotely for seven years um, living in Nashville. Um, and now I'm back in the office four days a week. And I have all these tailored clothes that I was just wearing for fun. I enjoyed it. I wrote about them and I was, you know, going to Italy sometimes. Now I'm wearing them back into the office. And I've found that, like, I'm just wearing a navy blazer every day. And I kind of have a look. I've kind of got a uniform. It's a navy blazer with a navy long sleeve polo shirt underneath, um, with like a with like a dress shirt collar, but it's still a polo shirt, and white jeans and suede shoes, either loafers or chukka boots, and like that's just what I want to wear. And I and you mentioned, and then with with watches for me too, you know I like the Longines Zulu time. Um, you know I'm a fan of the GMT Master too. That's like the only Rolex that really gives has any appeal for me really. Um, but really, I'm an Omega guy. I just love this, and, and I specifically love the Seamaster. Um, I have a friend who um, works at, um, I made happened to meet at Pitti. He, he works for Omega in Switzerland. And he's, he had a picture of himself with a Speedmaster hat on. And I was like, can you give me one that says Seamaster? Which is like no <laughs> watch person would ever say about Omega, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Speed, the speed, Speedy is... For the for the judgy watch people that I don't have any time for, that's the only Omega that matters, and screw them, and I don't care about their stupid opinions. But like, <laughs> and so he got me the Speedmaster hat. That's the only one they make, and I have it. And I love it, and I, I wear it proudly. But I do wish they made one that said Seamaster because I'm, you know, I've got four of them, and if I get a, I, I can easily see myself getting another one or two. <laughs> the funny thing about it is, like, I don't know why they don't because. It seemed like for a while, especially in the vintage, like literally everything that wasn't a Speedmaster yeah. was a Seamaster. And it's Seamaster still, it's, 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 like, like it's oh it's Seamaster. Yeah. Okay, well, so there's the Speedmaster, and you, I guess you have Speedmaster Racing, Speedmaster Auto. Like you have a couple of other ones, but, but like it's all talk about it. They all have the, the registers. And, you want and to talk it, about you know, it? Have like, the same case shape. The Seamaster. They have so many Seamasters. It's um, weird, and they somebody needs to go in there and clean up their. Um, their product categories and help them focus. But yeah. Yeah. I, it just, it, yeah, it, it is kind of funny. All the different SKUs they have under the Seamaster line. Yeah. Well, the Railmaster is a Seamaster Railmaster. Seamaster Railmaster. Yep. <laughs> it's like, all right, guys, like get a grip. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it is kind of funny because you mentioned that. Like I, I always, when I was in the office, at, you know, in my, in my former job before I switched to the remote work, um, it was, it was something that like, I had all the jackets like, you know, I, I want to make sure that I, you know, you present yourself in a certain way. And that was, a, and it was funny because, um, oddly enough, one of my coworkers, she has three daughters and one of them, my little sister also worked at Macy's, but she worked in kind of the store management development program for a couple of years. Now she works at, at, a, at a finance firm, but, um, my coworkers old or middle daughter did the same program, but for Bloomingdale's in Chicago. And it, it was funny because she described me. She, oh, he's the younger guy who dresses really nice. Like that was how she described me to her daughter. And I was like, nice. it's not really like I just, I wear a jacket and it was, but it was funny. So like I have a colleague on my team right now and he's not into watches, but when we were in New York, we happened to be there. We were there for, for, for a work meeting, but like my, our boss went off with her boss and was like, you know, they're meeting kind of a different senior management team. So you guys are free to go do whatever you want tonight. Um, and it just so happened to be a Red Bar New York event. And I was like, all right, Jeff. Oh, fun. All right, Jeff. You know, you're not into us, but you, he, one of his buddies is really into watches and knows the podcast. 
And Jeff's like, Jeff's asked me enough questions about this. And yeah. he's like, he's like, all right. I'm like, I'm like, well, first we're going to go to a bar and we're going to have some beer or, or some drinks with some people who are very interested into a hobby. And they're also probably interested in a lot of other things. So like, we're just going to go meet a couple, a bunch of, a bunch of cool, cool folks. And he was absolutely like, I knew he was going to be. So like we went and he had a blast. Um, and then we ended up at this awesome, like, um, Albanian restaurant in New York, which was right around the corner from the bar that we were at, which was really like, it was, the, the, the name sounded, um, either Spanish or Mexican, like some sort of like Mexican restaurant, <laughs> but it was, it was like, Oh, the, I mean, even the bread that they brought out was just unbelievable. You had to let it cool down because it was piping hot, but this homemade bread, I mean, we had a phenomenal meal. We essentially just told the waiter, like, we're down for anything, like recommend you know, enough food mm-hmm. for both of us for everything. And he did. And he just took phenomenal care of us. It was absolutely fantastic. And it reminded me of like growing up, like the, the, the dish that we had, it was almost like a stuffed cabbage. It reminded me of what like my grandma used to make, um, oh, which yeah. was, it was just, it was, it was a yeah. weird like comfort food, but like we went yeah. and did that and it was, it's just, but that was the trip. And there were other trips or other things where I've told him, he's like, Oh, I'm going to go to this con-. Like he was going to the conference that my former employer hosted consistently. And, he was like, oh, I think I'm going to do this. I think it's, you know, a little, you know, it, it, I'm like, oh, it's more casual. He goes, oh, okay, I'll do this. I was like, Jeff, always bring a jacket. Totally. Yeah. Like, you don't need to bring a tie necessarily. Like, if you know for sure it's casual, if, 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 the, if the meeting invite says business casual or something like that, you don't need to bring a tie, but you damn well have a jacket. You have a jacket. Yeah. Like, even yeah. if you're the only person in the room wearing a jacket, you're still not out of place. They're totally. all out of place. <laughs> Yeah, and you know you don't have yeah if it fits well and it's yeah. navy it goes with anything basically exactly you always have yeah. a jacket it bothers me it bothers me when people don't have them well so, uh, to be fair <laughs> getting one that fits right and yeah it, it can be a challenge um, but it can. it can but you have to know that you like one I think everyone needs to have one yeah. one well fitting jacket. Mm-hmm. It's. A, I know this brand doesn't do as much for you, but it's like a date just. It's never really out of place. Totally. I mean, I yeah. I don't hate Rolex. I just you know. Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like it. Like if you just kind of think, like, if I think in my head, oh, what is a nice looking kind of watch that goes with a suit? If I don't think of like I don't, I don't go to Patek. I don't go to True Dress Watch because that's just not my. So I was like, oh, date just. That's totally. That's where it mm-hmm. is. Like when I yep. like the, for some people when you think of Rolex, some people go to the Submariner. A lot of people mm-hmm. go to the Datejust. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, so like that's what you see. Mo- I mean, that's what I see most of uh, when I see Rolexes out in the wild. Yep. So yeah, that's <coughs> absolutely right. That's fun. I mean, eight blue blazers. I I, it's, I gotta ask. Like, I'm assuming there's summer, there's winter, there's different materials. But like, how did you end up with eight? <laughs> Basic okay, so to be fair, do they all still um, fit? I feel like they probably all still fit. That's part of it. Is that um, at least two of them are ones where like they started wearing out, oh, and I was okay. like, all right, but they haven't totally worn out. But they're some of my favorite ones, so I got ones to replace those. So that's like automatically half of them. And then as a blogger, you do start um, accumulating more and more clothes that you get as part of a sponsorship promotion, you know, or something that you mm-hmm. you work out deals with brands when you do stuff. So, like, a couple of them have been that. But, um, yeah, seasonal is the other thing. Some of them are, like, flannel that I wear for, you know, when it's cold out. Some of them are, like, a super lightweight, um, you know. Oh, and then, and then you have, you like you said, introduced double-breasted. Oh, yeah. So I got a couple <laughs> double-breasted ones. Peak lapel, and, normal lapel. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I have eight. Although right now, well, it's summer, so I've only you know there's only like two of them or three of them that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> this currently, yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. I'm so out of touch. Well, I mean, in, in fairness, <laughs> like you're, and, and I guess you can, you moved back to Cincinnati. You moved to Cincinnati from Nashville, so it's not like it's not like Nashville's any cooler than Cincinnati. But like, no, I have a sneaking suspicion your your winter ones get worn for maybe about two and a half weeks. <laughs> no, I mean, thankfully, yeah, none of them are like uh, super heavy duty. Yeah. You, can, you can wear them inside yeah. unless it's yeah, unless they're really cranking the heat. So. Um, yeah, most tailored clothing and most tailored clothing brands, it's not like 70, 50, 40, 50 years ago where and, and some brands you stand, you can still get tweeds, heavy-duty tweeds that are meant to be worn outside, mm-hmm. um, Shetland tweeds and stuff. But those are so impractical. You get so hot wearing them inside. It's just like knitwear. You wear a sweater that's like some fisherman sweater made in Ireland by grandmothers on you know the Isle of Donegal or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, no, like you're not – that's not – practical um and so most unless you live there up with and that. do that <laughs> yes unless you live there and do that and i have certain chunky knitwear that i wear that's like okay it's certain get certain sometimes it's a little hot um but most of the time most brands have caught up to that and so you can get more lightweight flannels more lightweight tweeds uh or faux tweeds that are wearable even in climate controlled you know so zach how many how many blue blazers do you have uh, I think I have three. I have um, my brass button, uh, and then I have um, kind of a, a a winter weight flannel one, and then I have one that um, Mitch found for me that has kind of a uh, like a herringbone pattern to it okay. for more winter. Okay, so hold on, Becky. You actually own one more than that because oh, I, I gave you one, but uh, that's that twill. Oh, that's right. So he has yeah. four. Okay, I take it back. I have four. I have another. I have another twill one that he gave me. That uh, was a, again. It was a sponsorship with a, yeah. a brand that I had done, and it kind of didn't fit. Um, so I was like, oh, "Yeah, who can wear this?" Oh, Zach. that one's like a little bit tight on me. So yeah, it's aspirational. <laughs> it's an aspirational. <laughs> we all have aspirational watches. I have aspirational clothes. I'm going to fit into someday. <laughs> What's well, funny? So so I was here. here I I we got to I got to say I think I have. Four, maybe five. I have the one that I wear consistently with travel. It's just a solid blue blazer, and then I have two other ones that have kind of a not. I don't want to say like a pattern, but like a they're, they're checked. But they're one is blue and like gray. One is blue and kind of a, a, a brownish. Um, I have another lightweight one that I don't wear as time because it, it's it's super casual um, mm. for the office. Forgot about that one, and then. I've got one more that is I wore its counterpart to whiskey and watches and actually our buddy Chris Soul had literally the same um, the same jacket that, that we both got at Macy's so I had mm-hmm. it, it's 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 kind of it's the, I have the blue version that's blue and like gray and red that's corduroy like a corduroy pattern and the same thing it's red and green and kind of a, a yellowish as well and Chris and I were both wearing it. He was wearing it with like a Rolling Stones t-shirt looking like uber cool. And I had it. I went the, the watch nerd version. So I had the turtleneck sweater on underneath it. Yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's <laughs> so um, anyway. But yeah, no, I mean, there's. Yeah, no, there's. I'm really looking forward to the weather cooling off so I can wear the rest of my jackets <laughs> that I have. Yeah. There's an, it's just like the ongoing joke of uh, on, in the menswear world and the clothing world is like. 
can't wait for the for the weather to drop so I can really start dressing. Yeah, yeah, it, it has <laughs> to. It's like it gets later and later. It's like Thanksgiving. Yep. you're still wearing shorts yep. practically. I gotta, I mean? Well, I mean, and it's funny because I I bought two more jackets and I. It, like so, I I bought some. So my sister in law got married in Colorado a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we, my wife was in the wedding, um, smaller wedding because she lives in Germany. Her husband is German, so it was you know just kind of a, a really really close knit family affair. Um, but I got a linen jacket for that wedding. I already had the pants that I knew I was going to wear, and I got a nice linen shirt from my boy Trevor down the street, and then mm-hmm. got some other stuff. And it's like, all right. I, some of the stuff I got is like, all right, now that the wedding's over, I can actually wear some of this now because I got it a month, two months prior to the wedding, knowing this is what I'm going to wear. But like, you, you, you better yeah, not mess it up it prior nice. to the wedding. Mm-hmm. So I literally didn't wear it. It's like, all right, now I can wear it. But I, I will say, like that that jacket that I got, and I got another jacket with it because it was on sale. So like, that may be the jacket I wear to Boston later this week. I'm not sure, um, but like, it's a kind of a gold and um, not gold. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting looking jacket that I really like, but it's 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 one that's a little bit tougher to style. But it's it's just a yeah. good looking. Just like man, that looks really good. And I'm like, what am I going to wear with it? <laughs> the style hack for me, the style hack for me that almost every single jacket that you wear will look good with off white pants. Oh yeah, almost anything, unless it just happens to be if you have off white pants, and I wear white jeans, off white jeans all the time. Um, those are the my default go to. There's because they're. You just don't have to worry about them so much. It's not like you're dry cleaning them. You can just throw them in the washing machine. I mean, unless it happens to be a certain shade of yellow or cream or something that clashes with it, yeah. they'll go with anything. That's fair. Uh, or the the counterpart for people who are uncomfortable with um, white pants, it would be like a color like that like stone. Mm-hmm. Um, a man, a guy that I met in the clothing industry who used to work at Ralph Lauren as a designer. He's got his own label now. Um, he said that in Ralph at Ralph Lauren they call stone or bone whatever you want to yeah. call it a good taste color and it just it goes with everything white jeans are my preference stone is another one but stone chinos basically again there's some exceptions but they'll look good with anything it does, so. that makes that makes some sense I struggle with the shirt the, the shirt that yeah you shirt you just never can go wrong with this pale blue shirt um End on end, poplin, broadcloth. I have to show uh, you this in Point Oxford. I don't know. I don't know. I think yeah, I've, I mean, I've if, worn, it's a, if it's a light blue, no, it's not a light blue. blue I've, I've worn blue with it before. Shirt. Now that I think about it, I've worn blue with it before. Yeah, yeah, but light blue just goes with everything, and and that's kind of my default. So, anyway, well, so you know something we've we've gone on quite long. It's quite late. I I really appreciate both of you taking the time, but you know, style tips like this. If you want to follow Mitch, Mitch, is it menswearmusings.com? Mm-hmm. and my Instagram is just at menswearmusings too so I'm on threads too guys join me on threads <laughs> oh, <my>. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't I haven't actually posted anything on threads but you know Instagram did threads launch like two weeks ago and I, everyone well going. so here's the thing like I, I feel like I, I feel like isn't it kind of against like if you have tailored clothing you shouldn't be pulling on any threads like is that <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Pretty sure there's a Weezer song about that. There right? is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, and on that incredibly awesome dad joke, <laughs> Zach, Mitch, it was great hanging out. I'm hoping we get to hang out in person. If Red Bar Cincy ever yeah. meets again in person, Mitch, you got to come out because I don't know I, that yeah, we've I met. I don't know that we've met since you moved to Cincinnati. Totally. I, I look forward to it. I, I'm su- yeah. I mean, I've only been here a couple months, so that's understandable. Yeah, but we're supposed to meet at least monthly. <laughs> 
Oh, really? <laughs> I thought it was like, oh, quarterly. Okay. No, well, it's supposed to be way more frequently than it's been. So I'll uh, file bad. a complaint okay. with management, and he's going to put it in the trash can known as the complaint department. Um, yep. so, right. But no, it's it's been great getting to know you, Zach. It's always a pleasure hanging out. Um, yeah. Next time we got to do this, we got to do this in person, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a good time. Um, but gentlemen, well, yeah, it's always a pleasure. Go Thank check out so go check out Mitch's blog. Uh, get all the good style advice uh, from him, uh, local guy, and we'll uh, we'll catch everybody next time. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks.